you're listening to a podcast appearing on the Two Guys Talking Podcast Network. Ready to conceive solutions to problems in an atmosphere free of political correctness? Find a new sense of purpose at wadesense.com. That's wadesense.com. I am Wade B. Olson, the Sage of St. Louis. This is Wade Sense, the podcast. Across from me sits the wizard of Lake St. Louis, Mr. Mike Wilkerson. I call him the wizard because technology absolutely eludes me, and thank God it doesn't him. Mike, how are you doing? My hat and wand are at the ready, my master. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing very well, Wade. Thank you very much. Well, God, I'm glad to hear that. Not the hat, not the wand so much, but what I want you to have is whatever accoutrements that you need to do the thing that I find that you are doing best, Mike, and that is poking <laughs> holes oh, good. in my ideas and my solutions you know, none of, and making them better in the end, making them stronger. None of my female friends in high school believe that I poked <laughs> holes well in anything. So it's great to hear that now, 30-some years later, somebody can find my value in poking holes. That's great. Isn't it unfortunate that it's a man? Oh, yeah. How, how festive. Awesome. <laughs> Gee, Wade, what's the topic of today's program? Our topic today is something, I'm actually a bit trepidatious to bring this forward because it's been trepidatious. Accoutrements and trepidatious. Yes, I'm full of 50 cent words. I'm full of them. We'll put put them in the show notes? Yeah, yeah. So that when no one knows what they mean, they can check out the website. Bring along your dictionary because I'm going to keep throwing these words out because I love the English language. Wadesense.com for the meanings of Wade's awesome vocabulary words. Yeah. Uh, No, the topic of the day is, I call it a soup. It is America solving our own problems. Original. This is an idea that I've had for some time now. I think that you can always recycle resources. And in this case, that's not always just a pile of bricks or wood or something like that. It's people. And Mm -hmm. there's no greater Mm -hmm. resource in our country than our people. We are a nation of entrepreneurs, of backyard and, and garage inventors, people tinkering away, coming up with the next great thing. Mm -hmm. In this instance, my idea was this. Our government, as we all know, because they put out that damn guide every year that displays the incredible, stupid waste of our government, that a lot of times doesn't necessarily amount to that much as far as the government is concerned. As far as people are concerned, yeah, it's a ridiculous amount. But if there was ability for our government to put out a listing of the problems that plague us as a people, as a government that are costing us money that they can't seem to fix. Every single problem, anything that is not a top secret, uh, military related, anything where your average citizen doesn't need to know. If they could see what it was that the problem was, what it was that the government was trying to be the final result, and at the same time what it was costing. Mm-hmm. And then they turned this information over to the general public. And I I think to begin with, I would love to keep this domestic. I really would like this to be about us solving our own problems. I think as a point of pride and a point of building industry and technology here in America. So my idea is that a company comes forward, a group of people, an individual, whoever it is, that wants to tackle this idea. And they say, okay, we're going to go ahead and we're going to tackle excessive potholes in the street. They can't seem to keep on top of the technology. It's just an idea. This is solving the government somewhere, say it's like $10 billion a year, okay, annually. And they decide that, okay, we're going to go ahead, we're going to take on this problem, we're going to develop the technology that is necessary, we're going to come back with our solution to the government, uh, whatever kind of blue ribbon committee, experts, whatever it is, and they took a look and they start poking holes in it and then they come back to the people and it's back and forth and it's back and forth until at some point it's like, okay, this seems like a viable solution. We're going to go ahead and we're going to have a pilot program. After a year, two years, whatever the amount of time is that's decided, if they can prove that, hey, this actually works, it's going to save us money. They implement it nationally. In the next year or two, that money, so it's $10 billion that's been costing the government. Now, say a billion is now going to go to that entity for like the next, I don't know, 10 years or something. And maybe it's reducing every year until finally it's just gone. Or at the same time, also, any new patents that come up are now, maybe they're issued twice as long. There's some kind of incentive or incentives that are placed in front of the people to want to solve the problems. Because as anybody knows that's ever studied any kind of sales, the one radio station that everybody's listening to 
is WSIFM. What's in it for me? I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Oh, I listen to the radio so often that, um, yes, I've always heard that. No, I've never, never heard that read before. So, yeah, never I mean, that. people need to have some kind of incentive and want mm-hmm. to go ahead and do this. Okay. But I'm hoping that this idea, this concept, at the end of it has produced so much industry, so many new companies, so many jobs, so many patents, that it's just an entrepreneurial explosion across the board and at the same time is now saving our government hundreds of billions of dollars. It's a win-win situation. And by God, if that isn't revenue neutral, I don't know what is. You, sir, professional hole poker, poke away. All right. So I, I think to, to begin helping poke holes, we've got to try and establish a common ground standard of okay. what we're talking about here. A lot of the things that you suggest inside of your sample are, and then we're going to, and you kind of skirt over some of the stuff that needs to be in place. So right. The example would be, you, you'd mentioned fixing roads. That's awesome. Yeah, this is an idea. It was the first thing that popped into my right, head. Right. But, and it doesn't have to be real. It doesn't have to be right. But coming up with a number would also help as opposed to going from, I don't know, uh, 10 billion. I mean, a billion. Because that's, that's where we went inside of your sample. Right. So is it only a billion or is it 10 billion? It's whatever it is, whatever it is, whatever it is, the cost of whatever it is that's costing the government on an annual basis. The idea is, is that you take a percentage of that and promise that to the people that come up with a solution, people okay. or companies that come right. up with the solution. And that's kind of where I'm uh, we'll, we'll come back to the actual sample standard. Because okay. where my mind races is I know a lot of businesses. Oh, by the way, I forgot to say, if this is implemented by the government, me personally, I want 1%. 10%. Of the, one, no, 1%. 1%. Have you added it up? Do you have any idea how much money I'd receive? No, I'm not greedy. That's just stupid. One percent. And so you think ten percent? You ten percent of all money saved would be greedy for you for coming up with the idea? Yeah, ridiculous. For 1% you coming up with the idea, one percent is plenty. Okay, well, I don't agree with that. My now we know who the greedy one is in the room. The greedy one. <laughs> my point is nine percent that Wade doesn't want fee. <laughs> Professional hole poking thing. Well, yeah. All right. So anyway, I kind of I fast forward. There are many organizations inside of St. Louis that have excellent, excellent, excellent brainstorming abilities. Mm -hmm. I.e., if I were to render a series of ten problems, and I would send the list off to them, they would, uh, in many cases, altruistically give me solutions. Now, if I dangle the carrot of "Hey, here's some cash" or tax incentives or whatever the whatever the dangling carrot is going to be, right. That's awesome. Right. But what I also know is that if I'm a larger problem-solving solution company, Mm -hmm. I don't know, like Facebook. Right. All right. So Facebook gets a... (laughs) Right. What's that? $300 million? Yeah. What is that? What's going on over there? Okay. Well, Facebook can now allot, I don't know, what, 1% of its workforce to be dedicated to trying to figure out how on earth they're going to have $300 billion invested in their company? I had thought about the idea of keeping it just for small business. Okay. When you say things like that, this is kind of something that happened in our last episode, too. What? When you say, oh, I think I would just keep it to small business. Right. Right. But remember that you've got to establish a box. In one of our previous episodes, we talked about homelessness. Mm -hmm. And what was missing was the analytics of what dictates the homeless sector you want to focus on. This is kind of the same thing. You sure. you want help from businesses far and wide. Period. Asterisk. Not real sure what that means, but that's what I'm going to start with. And okay. that's fine. Right. That's fine. But eventually you've got to dial in where there is a box where we're looking for solutions from companies that range between 10 and 35 employees or we're looking for companies that in general, annually collect insert number of net dollars mm-hmm. in profit, blah, whatever you're going to do. It doesn't, so something would be put out there. It would to have show, yeah. something would have to be there. Well, yeah, yeah. But just know that you're also that's the monkey wrench that you're throwing into the whole process because you and I both know, just like many movies that we've seen, right? There is one guy that's sitting out there that has so much experience and has tried every single way to fix something. Mm-hmm. He's got the fix, mm-hmm. and unless he goes to company that has enough employees mm-hmm. and then sells the idea in for either a percentage or wants to be the team leader or however the hell that's going to work. But that's so something he's just else. one guy is what you're saying. You are effectively eliminating the one guy potential solution. L- let's say let's say the bid that you okay, offer so up. Okay, so let's say let's get let's say it's companies from 
one to 500 employees. That's that, that's going to about a medium-sized business down to just the one guy. All right. Let's, Anybody can present uh, a, a that, solution. That's fair. Let's say in the first year you've got 10 projects. Mm-hmm. The total of 10 projects is going to be $200 million total. All right. And I'm only just saying $200 because I have no idea. Right. Uh, let's say it's $200 million. This, and, well, to, 10 projects that are costing the government $200 yeah, million? Yeah, $200 million. That's a drop in the bucket, I'm sure. Well, we'll whatever, pick a number. Yeah, okay. At this point, that number is irrelevant. Okay. What isn't irrelevant is that if I'm that big-ass company on mm-hmm. the edge of whatever the box is, mm-hmm. and I go, hey, look, five solutions I know we can solve in the matter of six months. Okay, well, if in six months you're going to then garner in, insert dollar amount or right. percentage of dollar amount, why would you not do that? There's going to be and slippery stuff on the side all the time. It's unavoidable. I, I get that. But it, again, it goes back to the same thing inside of the homeless thing, where your goal inside of your homeless solution was to try and help vets. Mm-hmm. That was absolutely forefront on what you were talking about. Right, yeah. And then I threw the monkey wrench in of, yeah, but what about mom with three kids that lives in a Buick? Okay, well, that's not so awesome. What about 61-year-old homeless dude that's been on the street for 15 years who's going to complain that he's not going to get some just because of ageism? What are you going to do about all of the people that see all of these people getting help but don't get any help because they, quote, don't pass whatever standards you're going to put in place to get into one of the housing projects? Yeah. Those, I'm not bringing this up to be a pain in the ass. I'm no, bringing them no, up because I, of, I, yeah. I, I, I want you to be able to do this right. because you're thinking of things that I'm not. Right. Together, you and I come up with a solution. Right. I'm, good at, I'm really good at thinking of big concepts. I'm bad at thinking of details. Right. You, on the other hand, are showing yourself really good at details. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. Again, the, the, the pieces parts is to get the solutions that will help alleviate and reduce the costs overall to the American public, thereby giving benefit back to the company and or individuals mm-hmm. that provide the solution in either a percentile or a, a flat dollar amount or however that's going to work. Right. Just realize that anytime you or I say however that's going to work inside of the solution, that's not the solution because all we're doing is going to, and we're not sure how to do that. Yeah. And I'm not saying we need to, but just know that that the instant you can start outlining some of the stuff that is the harder parts, Mm -hmm. that's when someone else is going to go, okay, well, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have never thought of that. Right. And now you can start working on the parts that are more common that they may have had, may have, or may will now think of a solution because they realize that a lot of the hard parts taken care of. Okay. That's the big thing about the homeless thing that you and I were talking about in a previous episode is that if the program was structured... And you could get, a, if you could rally, even if it's just a couple of neighborhoods to begin with, right. behind it. Right. That momentum. A pilot program to begin with to show that, that, yeah. this has, that this idea has a shot. Okay. Right. All right. right. That's, well, that's good. Well, I mean, that's the whole idea with uh, ASOP is that oh, a pilot program is implemented before a massive solution, before it's implemented nationally. Right. But, uh, yeah, I like the idea of keeping it to small businesses. People are going to see, yeah, there's some guy that's, like I said, he's on the, on the periphery of it. Maybe he'll fire five people to fit into it. Th- that's going to happen. There's going to be people that are going to be slimy like that. Mm-hmm. Maybe there would be well, some Well, and realize, of- I mean, I, I, this is a thing I hate about awards programs. Something I can remember vividly is in another fandom organization, there would always be a news, essentially every year, a newsletter contest. Mm-hmm. And I'm an old school desktop publisher guy. I, mm-hmm. I love building newsletters. Always went somewhere outside the box to make sure it looked completely original. Uh, all the content that was built was original. The formatting was original. All of it was all original. And when one newsletter that looks exactly the same five years in a row wins the title, what you instantly do is you excise anybody's interest to try and do better. Yeah. Because if their product doesn't change mm-hmm. and they just continue to win, yeah. why on earth would I continue trying? Yeah. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. The fix for that, and something I, I don't know why that organization never implemented something like it, but it's like, okay, so you're the big dog and you won. Uh-huh. This year, you're going to be on the judging group. Yeah. But you are not eligible to win. That just makes complete sense. Of course That's, it makes complete, makes complete sense. sense. Right. And as long as something like that, we're also built into what we've got going on here, whether it be, okay, so any any company that submits a bid, any company or organization or person mm-hmm. that submits a bid mm-hmm. can win up to insert number of right. projects. Right. Because if you don't, that's where you find people that not only solve problems for a living, but have that crack staff are going to go, wait a second, we have the opportunity to get $1 billion floating back in here just by submitting a, a solution to a problem that the government can't figure out how to not buy a $1,500 hammer. <laughs> the, the, the value of that would be if I know I work with a bunch of really good come up with idea people. I would take all of those come up with idea peoples and each week I would structure in a series of 
30 to 50 hours where mm-hmm. we work on nothing but the potential to garner our company insert dollar amount if it was sizable. Imagine that. Imagine imagine a company that only has 15 employees right? and you take out a piece of workspace that mm-hmm. is dedicated to really good problem solving right? that can garner them insert dollar amount or a percentage of dollar amount or however they're going to work it. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, it is. But that organization and business is going to kick everybody else's ass. And I mean, rightly so. Mm-hmm. If, if you, it, it, it's just, it's, it's the Swiss Army knife concept. If I have the perfect corkscrew to open up a wine bottle, mm-hmm. guess who's going to get the wine bottle open before you can with a, with a butter knife? Yeah, you are, obviously. So uh, th- that's where you'd have to have something like, okay, and you get to win one bid or you get to win up to three bids of. 50 that are provided a year right no one's going to take no one's going to take a huge chunk of work it's like people are going to get one or two projects and it's like okay go and then get back to us in right. this amount of time yeah you know no one's going to no one's going to allow it to be just a hog yeah no I, the, the, again the bottom line about this program and your homeless program and other ones is mm-hmm. it's it's the people helping themselves which is always a good thing right it's always a good being thing. able being able to step back look at a problem Especially utilizing something other than your own perspective to try and diagnose and dissect a problem mm-hmm. is always a good thing. Yeah. It allows you to get your, your blinders off of what you think is the only way to fix things. Mm-hmm. And that's always a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It opens yeah. your mind to new ideas, new concepts, and you don't know where you're going to go from Yeah. There. I'm curious, people. What exactly do you think in this concept that I've come up with? Taxi! I want to hear what it is that you think would make this a better program. Reach us at wadesense.com. Folks, I hope that uh, we've helped shed some light. I hope we've given you some ideas. And please, please share this with as many folks as you can. We will be right back to Wait Sense. Wouldn't it be cool if your advertising could last forever? It can, with perpetual advertising. Here's how it works. Magazine, radio, and television ads are efforts that people might see or hear once, and then they're lost forever. Perpetual advertising provides you with the chance for repeat exposure and replayability weeks, months, even years after it's originally inserted inside a podcast. So even after your advertising is included in a podcast years ago, those efforts are still impactful, providing you with true return on investment. Real impact, thanks to perpetual advertising. Are you ready to change the way you and your company or organization advertises? Find out more and launch a unique perpetual advertising effort right now by visiting twoguystalking.com forward slash sponsors. The Two Guys Talking Podcast Bug, a truly original autonomous mobile recording solution. Get bit by the podcast bug www.podcastbug.com What comes to mind when you hear the word horror? Is it a book you read in the dead of night that creeped you out? Is it the memories of the monsters you were sure lived under your bed? Is it a film filled with blood and gore all thanks to a crazed killer? Join me, Nicholas J. Hearn, and my guests as we ask the really terrifying question, What scares you? Only on Two Guys Talking Horror. TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com That's TwoGuysTalkingHorror.com Thought about a career in voiceover? Need a great, cost-effective on-hold message for your organization or business? Don't know where to start? Check out The Voice Farm, your one-stop shop for voiceover needs. Check it out now by accessing The Voice Farm at voicefarmers.com and see what difference can be made with a company that is truly outside the box. From The Voice Box, voicefarmers.com. That's voicefarmers.com. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. The one question every podcaster needs to ask themselves is, why am I still editing my own podcast? We all know that editing your own podcast is the worst part of the podcast experience. Get the editing off your plate and reclaim more time to make more content with the Editor Core. 
Affordable, talented, experienced podcast editors are ready to take your podcast literally to the next level to make it soar. Make your podcast soar with the Editor Core. EditorCore.com. That's EditorCore.com. And we are back. My YouTuber section uh, segment, what I want to talk about today is, um, I don't know if anybody follows Bill Whittle besides me. If you don't, go follow him. He's got some really amazing YouTube videos. They're all between five and ten minutes long, and nobody gets a point across as well as this guy does. The segment for today is called The Great Unlearning, How Our Society Became So Stupid. Now, I think Mike, you'll agree that there's, it's not hard to walk along and you know, run into five examples, samples of humanity and not just shake your head some days. I, I don't think it's, it's something you can avoid. I'm shaking my head at you right now. <laughs> it's a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but when you're watching his video, it becomes really apparent that it's like he's trying to explain the process of how it happened. And one of the biggest things that you'll gather is it's, it's a lot of times it's the parents fault because of what we've done or parents have done where we didn't take the child to a museum or a library. Maybe we, we probably sat him down in front of an Xbox or just watching a video or whatever it was, but there, there wasn't a hands on, you know, wow, learning is really a cool experience and I want to do more of it. It's an enjoyable process. No, I'm just sitting here. Maybe I'm not thinking about it, but I'm teaching my child to just be a video zombie. And what he's trying to point out is that it's laziness. It's lack of curiosity why we've gotten to where we are. There's an example where the whole thing that kicked it off was he was outside at a restaurant waiting for a friend to show up. And he hears this young guy talking to his friends about why it was that we didn't land on the moon and his examples are just so immediately shot full of holes. One being that, you know, the shadows don't line up correctly in the pictures, that when they landed on the moon that there was no um, cloud of dust. There's other things as well. And it's like, you know, he said, I could have easily proven to this guy, to this 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 child, exactly what it was. I mean, he said, you know, you've got wide-angle lenses. They're not going to line up. You know, there's no gravity on the moon, so guess what? You're not going to have a cloud of dust in there. Kim was saying to his uh, friends is, well, if we've gone on before, why haven't we gone back? And what Bill Whittle wanted to tell the kid was it's because we've lost the knowledge. You know, we don't have it anymore. When you're watching the video, you'll see more and more examples of that. The one that is <laughs> the one that just blew my mind was and I was, I'm sure. Mike, you probably saw the same pitch. I know I was talking about this. It shows Steven Spielberg, and he's in front of a life-size fiberglass triceratops. Mm -hmm. And, this, I mean, the whole thing is, is obviously edited for effect, uh, the questions. But they went and asked these kids in Britain what was it that they thought about it. And when some, a lot of them recognized who uh, Steven Spielberg was, you know, it was shame, shame on you. How can you go and hunt this? This is so evil. You're, when you're watching the video, you can see that the kids vaguely remember in the back of their head that this is a dinosaur. It's extinct. It, he couldn't possibly have shot it. But they're reacting. They're reacting. He said you can see the mental gymnastics in their face that they're that they're trying to make this make sense, that they're seeing this thing. But they're just reacting. They're not thinking. They're not they don't have the ammunition for the for the argument. They're reacting the way that they think society wants them to react, which is the way something I've been saying for quite some time. Go watch the video. It's it's like eight minutes long, and you're gonna want to watch one more after another after another. Between him and Stephen Prager, I've learned so much, and it's presented so well. What have you got for your YouTuber, Mike? My YouTuber is going to prey on the fact that everybody that's listening to this podcast has at least seen. Star Wars. Yes. 1977, directed by George Lucas. Yes. And we are on the eve of another movie coming, i.e. The Last Jedi. It. it looks like it's going to be tremendous. And inside that movie is a ship called the Silencer. Ah. It's the TIE Fighter, a Silencer. Okay. And it is Kylo Ren's TIE Fighter oh. called the Silencer. Okay. And what I have found on YouTube that we will showcase over at the show notes at wadesense.com for this episode uh -huh. is the complete one-to-one -one size build of that ship. Now, it's not functional, obviously, because right. we don't have anything that defies gravity, regardless <laughs> of what is taught to those kids by their parents. 
there, there's nothing inside. It doesn't have a cockpit and a steering wheel. Blah. It doesn't have any of that. Okay. But what it is is steel girders, steel mesh put together inside of a warehouse, and it is tremendous. Cool. The reason I also want to make it a piece of what we're doing for YouTuber is because I don't, I don't understand the mechanism of the cost of being able to do that. Because if I'm a company that has all the people and the skills with which to make a TIE fighter, mm-hmm. one-to-one size, so yeah. that a dude can stand on it and go, look, I'm standing on top of a TIE fighter, Right. then we're talking about the, a, a significant layout of costs, not only in the actual uh, labor, right. but specifically inside of the materials yeah. of making something like that. And so figuring out the costs of... So do they just garner the traffic and hope that that's going to take a bite out of whatever they had to pay? I, those, those are some of the things I've never really understood about YouTube, and in particular for this one, I don't understand. Uh-huh. Now, I, I do know that they do sell the items that they build. Oh, really? So perhaps that's... So at the end of a movie, you can buy some of this stuff? Oh, this isn't for the movie. This is like a dude and his three work oh, buddies. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand what you were building, saying. Yeah, building, oh. a, building a TIE fighter out of steel girder mesh. Oh, 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 okay. And it's one-to-one. I mean, you look at it and you go, my God, look, it's a TIE fighter out of the movie, but it's here in real life. Ding, ding, ding. You go and tap on it and it's steel. Oh, how cool is that? No, it's it's very cool. And uh, again, that's why you are now going to look at my YouTubery and so Oh, Yeah. The yeah. show notes section for this edition of Wade yeah, Sense. Yeah, I will absolutely go Be check sure to it check out. it out over at wadesense.com. You can click right on those links and go check out those videos. Wisdom of the Ages is a topic where we try as best we can to bring forth pearls of wisdom from the past, as basically as far back as I can dig it up. And bring it forth and look at it in the light of modern day and see if it still holds true. Mm -hmm. And so far, I know we're in the infancy of our program. I think that it is so fascinating that I haven't brought forth one thing that we haven't looked at. Some of these three, four thousand years old. And it's as true today as it is then. Even if you have to go through the floweriness of old language Mm -hmm. and still get it out. And I'm curious. Anybody listening out there, if you'll be able to fit, it's sad that there's going to be probably under 25 year olds that, that won't know this, but it starts, idle hands are the, now Mike, I already know, you know what the rest of this is, but there are some that aren't. It's idle hands are the workshop of the devil. Now you can go ahead and you can poo poo and say, oh, no, don't, don't even bring religion into this. But I think that it doesn't take you long to study humanity before you realize that evil or excessive bad or however you want to look at it is a real thing. And I don't think it takes long for anybody to look at uh, where we are today as there's a large segment of our population of our kids that don't have jobs. Hell, some of them don't even have chores to do around the house. And depending upon what age where you are, there's going to be a level of badness, mischief, that you're going to get into. So even as old as it is, the actual, here's the full quote. It's out of Proverbs chapter 16, verses 27 through 29. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. Idle hands are his mouthpiece. An evil man sows strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Wickedness loves company and leads others into sin. Now you can go ahead and put that into modern day language. And it's just as true today as it was when it was written then. Mm Mm-hmm. So that is my bit of wisdom for today. Your thoughts? Sure. I'm going to go back to Star Wars again. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Mostly because while I'm not the religious guy, mm-hmm. I, I do love a good solid dose of common sense wrapped in mysticism. Which wrapped, is that movie, definitely. Wrapped in lore. Okay. And recently, inside of our review of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., over at the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, which mm-hmm. you can listen to right now, right. over at agentsofshield.tv. Inside of there, one of the characters this last week used a, a series of quotes that, not surprisingly, felt very Star Wars-like. Okay. And it is very much the, the, the habit of programs inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to prey on, hey, look, a Star Wars movie is coming out, so we're going to have a wink, wink, nudge, nudge moment inside of here that's a kind of an homage to it. Okay. And so this character starts providing some some of the language, and I'm like, there's no way. Oh, wait a second. Star Wars comes out this week, so yeah, it probably is. Okay. And uh, I was listening to another podcast about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and inside of that, they said that what I was listening to was actually said by Carl Sagan. Oh, really? Okay. And so it's very likely 
that what was said by Carl Sagan mm-hmm. was taken by the folks slash George Lucas who created Star Wars. Makes sense. And crafted what Yoda said. And uh, what what I'll try and do is I'll try and get a, a one-to-one comparison of what was said inside of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. versus what was said inside of what Yoda says versus okay. inside of what Carl Sagan says. Okay. And we'll put those up on the website as well. Okay. But the, it, it graphs directly into what you were talking about in that regardless of where it appears, whether it's inside of a book written by whomever you guys thought that book mm-hmm. was written by 2,000 years ago. Right. Or if it was written inside of... A screenplay mm. that was written in 1972, three, four, five, right. then made into a major motion picture that is now a gargantuan, giant, megalith. Of I really want to culture. know what it was that Carl Sagan said. It's really profound, okay. and and the right. nuggets that are able to be leached out of it are excellent. And what's really funny though is that they're they're sage. They are you you hear them and then you go yeah. That's the way that kind of wisdom is supposed to yeah. work. Yeah. One well, and that's that's what's so magnificent about just about every single book's religion is that it works that way and mm-hmm. then the the subjective parts are able to be put into mechanized mode by the person that hears them. That's how especially religion works. Yeah. I was going to say something too when I was talking about idle hands of the devil's worship. We're both of the age where we remember that most of our friends had jobs when they were in their teens. What time? How old were you when you started working? Oh yeah, fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. yeah. What, what was your first job? Butcher shop. Butcher shop. I seem to remember it's lost in the mists of time, but I think I was a janitor for about that long <laughs> at a uh, Dairy Queen. Okay. Yeah, that was a bit of a disaster. I worked but, at uh, Lee's Dairy I Treat. 15. I worked at Lee's Dairy Treat. That was my second job. Oh okay. Yeah, when I was sixteen. I worked okay. At Lee's Dairy Treat. So did you did you know how to do the little whip de do thing mm-hmm. on the ice cream? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. All yep. right. But uh, yeah, and it was that I mean even every I mean if if a pothead slacker like me at 15 16 years old had jobs and I managed to stay mostly out of trouble, it's just it's common sense. People, we all need to go back to work. It doesn't make sense that so many people now, so many young people, their first job is the one that they get out of college. So a lot of these people are entering the workforce and within a year or two they're just in shock. This is my life now. This is my life for the rest of my life. I have to work. And they've had all of this time, and a lot of time it's it's led to uh, getting into mischief of one kind or another. Yeah, it's why I'm a, I'm a giant fan of just about any kind of program that has a workforce that will then allow the people coming into the workforce in that profession mm-hmm. some sort of practicum or ability to do the job before they actually get into the job. Yeah, it just makes complete sense. <clears throat> it, it makes more than complete sense. It's actually a litmus test for you inside of your career. I, I actually think that the, the practicum slash temporary work period nest should start a lot earlier inside of whatever a chosen profession is because there are a lot of times where people will get into it and they're like this just isn't for me no no this it absolutely not doesn't make any the, sense yeah. yeah this is uh this is not what i thought it was i thought it was going to be something completely different and hey by the way i hate the smell of insert whatever it is you don't dig exactly and that there isn't that that there isn't the you know the i, I remember i remember in the second grade instead of mr miko's class mm-hmm at Twinbrook Elementary. Hey, Mr. Miko. Of, she's dead, and I didn't like <laughs> oh. her much anyway. Anyway, I, but I remember her, and I remember, because she was always on my ass. Uh-huh. I remember her vividly, but I remember where she took us to the uh, the Burger King uh-huh. that was right down the street in Hoffman Estates. Wow. And it was Your tremendous. teacher did this. Yeah, yeah. It was a part of the program Such inside of it. It's second grade. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And so you you would go there, and you couldn't believe that you were standing behind where they let normal people in. That was amazing. How... I don't work here. What am I doing back here? It was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And that's where you get, you know, it, it, it's the rudimentary job of look at the guy peeling the buns apart. Right. He rubs them together and then puts them side by side inside right. of what the bun warmer, the toaster, whatever the hell it was. There's just something to be gained yeah. from regular work a day experience. Yeah. It's like somebody once I was, re- I was listening to this, this uh, uh, special on radio and they were talking about how the one thing that so many of us have in common is that crappy work experience yeah. that the, the job that you, that you hated, but you didn't hate that much. The people that you ended up working with, the experiences that you had, having to punch a clock, blah, 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 all of it. But that was the beginning of that work ethic. Right. And I remember seeing this. uh, I I, I was so mad that I saw it so many years too late. But it was at the time, I think it was a meme on Facebook. 
and it was showing a list of responsibilities that you gave to your children at certain ages. Mm-hmm. And it started at literally like two years old, mm-hmm. something real simple, and every year there was a little bit more of a complex task. So that by the time that your child is 13, 14 years old, they're cooking, they're cleaning, they're taking care of their own laundry. You know, the work ethic is baked in at that point because it's been going on their whole life, and they've, they've learned the responsibility and the joy of just being able to do things for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and we are missing that. We've got to come back to that. That leads us to our last topic, something I call listener solutions. And it's basically, it's that simple. How is it that we reinstill? Into, I have some ideas, obviously. But how do we reinstill into our people pride again in work? in craftsmanship, in, in in just the joy of doing a job right. I'm really curious as to what your ideas are. I've been thinking about this a lot accidentally, and it's funny that... Or are you asking the audience? Well, both. Okay. I've been thinking about this a lot recently, mostly because I have taken the hook, line, and sinker of jumping into Echo devices from Amazon, Okay. i.e. Alexa-enabled yeah, yeah. Echo devices. I was wondering if you're having fun with that. Well, I am. Uh-huh. I, I, I am, and it's more than just, hey, I can listen to any kind of music anywhere I want in my house. It's way more than that. Okay. What I've also found is- Is it making is, you lazy? No. Oh. No, what it actually is doing is it's giving, in particular, my 14-year-old daughter a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. Because now lists can be made, like the Christmas list. Uh-huh. Uh, what can also be made is a series of problems that dad had with whatever Jay did this week. Okay. I can make, now make a list of those so we can revisit them at the end of the week and see what she thought of why she did. And so give an example. Like you're that. somewhere in the house and you say, Alexa, um, this problem has been happening like, like that. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You can go, okay. you go, Alexa, add complaining about taking a shower to Jade's didn't do it list. Okay. So now it's on there. Mm-hmm. And so when I sit her down, mm-hmm. I can go, Alexa, please read Jade didn't do it list. And it'll go, these are the things on Jade's didn't do it list. And you can tell Alexa to pause in between mm-hmm. each one. Okay. So it literally becomes something that not, I, not only do I have access to it, she has access to it anytime that she wants to. Good. So now it's become a tool, even when she's not there, mm-hmm. that she can either listen to or pipe in on. But okay. more importantly, it's it's a series of family agenda. Okay. So that there doesn't have to be the, boy, I sure hope I have a chance to ask Jade about making sure that she's taking a shower during the middle of the week. Uh-huh. Or, or daily or whatever. Right, whatever right, right. The, Whatever it is. Yeah. It's important because a lot of those mechanisms, it's, mm-hmm. I would I, this kind of dovetails back in what you've already talked about inside of YouTubery. Right. The reason that those kids are are horrified not only by our not going to the moon, right, but also horrified by Steven Spielberg hunting a dinosaur, <laughs> is because at some point one of their parents has seen one of those big game hunter trophy people yeah. after they've they've killed in many cases game that they paid to kill. Mm-hmm. With the money that they have and get to use as they see fit on planet Earth. Right. Okay? And they have been shamed because, of course, quote, killing big game is murder. And especially if it's endangered, well, my God, what are we doing? Mm-hmm. And the answer is you're kind of doing what you want. That's the whole point, especially of being in some place like America. Right. Making your money and being able to go and do whatever you want with it. Right. Freedom okay. Choice. Right. But the whole point is that the splash damage of, oh, shame on them. Right. Okay, so what you've just done is you've enabled your kid to see a dead animal in the background of somebody with their picture being taken, mm-hmm. i.e. selfie with dead deer behind your holding head of dead deer. Yeah. And what they've now equated that to is a picture of Steven Spielberg with a dead triceratops. Right, that was their jumping okay, logic. That's dumb. logic. That's, that's just dumb. That's complete ignorance right. on, on the student's part. Right. But it's even deeper ignorance because of not the parents not understanding what kind of splash damage you're doing. Mm-hmm. To go back finally to the space program with the same analogy, mm-hmm. the reason that they can perhaps even accost their parents about we didn't go to the moon yeah. is because you can sit down and watch endless hours of YouTube video right now right. from people that are, quote, authorities on why we didn't go to the moon. Yeah. Now, not so strangely, there are at least three or four times as many videos from people that actually, I don't know, went to the moon right? and can tell you the reasons why the things that are problems inside the process of conspiracy theories are not actually true. But those aren't sexy. And those aren't a backhand to authority where we didn't go to the moon is. Right, right. And so if a young mind has the choice, they are obviously, 
as did I on many things. Mm-hmm. They're going to try and buck the system, i.e., screw that. We didn't go to the moon. Why? The reason why? Because we haven't been back. Right. By the way, the shadows don't match. By the way, the flag moved. By the way, uh, I've seen pictures where NASA faked it, which they did. They they do have a picture of an astronaut that is taken inside of a facility that they did use for propaganda purposes, oh, okay. but not in place of, and that whole moon thing, well, we're just going to scrap that. That's, that's not what happened. So they took the picture to, to help sell the program. Right. Okay. To foster to foster the program and that it, it was a manufactured photo, meaning we don't have Photoshop right now. Right. And so we've got to manufacture a photo to help us with the propaganda for this effort. Yes. Yeah. That absolutely did happen. Okay. But what that then doesn't mean is that we didn't go to the moon. <laughs> And that, that's where I think parents are being completely disingenuous on taking an active role in teaching their kids that, yes, there are options. Right. Again, if we glance off into 9-11. Right. Absolutely. There are many theories of what happened on 9-11. Mm-hmm. However, with the facts that are in, with the pieces, parts that are in place, and the stuff that makes sense that doesn't go off the, go- the Goonie Crap-O-Meter, mm-hmm. this is what happened. Yeah. And if you don't explain it like that, what they're instantly going to do is they're going to go to the salacious, detailed videos of how 9-11 was an inside job. So really, that comes back to the parents having the responsibility to getting the information out correctly. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's something that I was the, thinking about the, as well. The history of, YouTube, of your child's YouTube yeah. is something that people have to, have to start taking into consideration right. because YouTube is now a very significant influence in how your child is going to develop. Oh yeah. It's just Absolutely. the way that it is. I wonder how many, I wonder how many homework assignments reference YouTube and YouTube materials. It's got to be getting up there. Right. Right. The other, uh, social media is another huge mm, one. Exactly. Uh, before I knew anything, my then 12 year old daughter had her own series of, uh, social media accounts mm-hmm. that included, series of Instagram accounts, one that was her real Instagram account, one that was built to collect spam. What? My 12-year-old knows how to build an, uh, an Instagram account to collect spam? I don't. Oh, one, God, one, for, so one for each of our cats. Huh? And then knows how to prompt both her mommy and I about, man, this would make a great picture on Instagram. She's 12 years old. Wow. And so understanding that all of those things need some sort of regulation doesn't mean you've got to have a boot on their throat. No. But it does mean that you have to have some knowledge of the tools. Otherwise, they will run roughshod. That's what kids do. Yeah. You know, the other thing is is that there needs to be, uh, coming back to children again and education, uh, our responsibility, there needs to be a balance. It's like, call it when the power's turned off and the power's turned on. When the power's turned on, all of those technical skills that you need to know on the internet and computer skills, absolutely. But how many kids have absolutely no desire or no idea whatsoever on how basic first aid works, on how to set up a tent? How a wrench on, works. How a wrench works. I mean, anything. I'll tell you what. Hold on, hold on. This actually horrified me. I'm showing you this tool that I just took off of my keychain. Okay. For those that are curious, I'll put a link to it up on the Wade Sense website. Okay. This is called the doohickey. Okay, so it's black. Yeah. It's about two and a half inches long. Mm-hmm. On one end, there is kind of a wedged edge. On the other side, there is a carabiner, and then there's some twisted That's metal what between. That's yeah. Then there's a, a series of twisted metal between, okay? Uh-huh. All right. So what this is, is it's a tool that I bought online. I love these little gadget tool things that I can attach to either my keychain or the zippers on my bag or whatever. Originally, what I got all these for was the tabs that are on my... A computer bag that traditionally is very heavy. Mm-hmm. The tabs that they put on the zippers, mm-hmm. they always break. Right. They're, they're super cheap ass yeah, and not yeah. worthy of anything. Right. So what I do is I take things like this uh-huh. and I hook them through. So now it's something substantial. Okay. Traditionally, it's either made of aluminum or carbon fiber or whatever it is that I'm buying. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're holding that in your hand. And what I would like you to do is I'd like you to run from one end to the other and tell me what tools you see on it. I see the thing at the end that looks like, obviously, a regular screwdriver. Okay. This looks like a can opener, this little this little cutout spot right here. Okay. all right. You've got your carabiner down at the one end. Okay. You have got a rudimentary two-inch ruler on one side. Okay. I'm not exactly sure what the stair-step thing is on the inside. All right. And I don't know... See what one fourth five sixteenths three eighths. Oh, oh! It is a. I see. It's a wrench. That's correct. Awesome! Yay! I passed. All right, great. That's cool. I want one of those. All right. So you you've hit just about every single thing on this tool. What I miss? Okay. So there's a couple things that you missed. One. Okay. 
the edge that looks like a big fat chubby screwdriver yeah it's actually a pry bar Oh, so it, it's, okay. it, the, whatever this is made of, I think it's high density aluminum, I think is what this one's made of. Really? Anyway, if you, if you feel that and, and literally try and bend that edge, like give it, give it your all. Damn. Okay. So you're not going to bend it. No. So it is a pry bar, mm-hmm. which, you know, a, a paint can, a variety of other things. Any if number you really of things. need to, yeah, if you really no. need to dig in and get underneath something, you've got it and it's no problem. Right. What you've also got though is essentially they they call it on the back side of the package, they call it a box cutter. There's two things here. It, you can see where that little through the little edges that's put on there. It's yeah. not just flat like it would yeah. be a screwdriver. Yeah. Well, that's what they're calling the box cutter. What? Yeah. Well, and I, I thought it was interesting, but the reason that it's called a box cutter in many other tools it's called a package opener. Okay. And the reason that this one, it is called a box cutter on the packaging, uh-huh. but on the packaging, it's on the backside of the packaging. And my guess is that while you could, and this is a TSA uh, approved, you can't take this through TSA. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But if they had the word box cutter on the front of the packaging, then this would also of be Of course not, because, because no one will ever forget no that. No one will let you, right. No. no one will let you take a box cutter on. Anyway, the reason why I'm showing you this is... Uh-huh. The analytical part of your brain that was able to pick apart almost every single usage. Right. And some other ones that I've come up with just because I love figuring out different uses for things like this. Uh, You were able to, within a matter of a couple of minutes, figure Uh out all of them from what you see. Right. My daughter didn't. My daughter, she just doesn't have, she doesn't have the thirst or learn part yet to go, oh, okay, so... What would I use that for? Like, and do you know why? I'll tell you why. Do you know why your daughter doesn't have that? Because of the toys these kids are playing with. When you go and you look true. at the toys, I, there's nothing educational hardly right. in them. Well, and where I was going with this is I wanted to throw her under the bus for the whole wrench thing, but you <laughs> caught the wrench thing. Yeah. She didn't. Oh. She would have never guessed a wrench. I and, would have got and, it if I hadn't seen yeah, the, the numbers. Knew, yeah, the measurements. Yeah, the numbers. And again, we're going to put the picture of this thing on the on the website so you guys yeah. can see it. And, and actually go buy one, too. I, I, they're really cheap. I think it was 3 bucks. Oh, yeah, I love that one. Uh, it, it's super high quality. It's really built well, and it's going to last me a good long time. Anyway. Yeah. The gist is that it has so many different functions of things that if something happens, you actually have an option. Mm-hmm. The the sample that I'll use, I don't remember the last time I needed a bottle opener, so I know I'm not going to traditionally use a bottle opener. Right. But you know what? If I do, guess what? Got it right there. I got it right here. The other thing uh, I, I, I loved about this one is that those wrench sets are there. Yeah. They're not super, you know, I'm not going to crank on a piece of an engine or anything with no, this. No, no. But I do know that of those three measurements, if I have a need, I have a solution here as you opposed to me trying to tweak it down with my fingers. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of curiosity that I think the kids, to go back to what we were talking about. Right. The kids that think we didn't go to the moon or that we faked the moon landing, even mm-hmm. worse. Or the kids that think that Steven Spielberg murdered the Triceratops. Okay, well. If I were to show them this, I don't think that they would get half of the things that Probably this thing is not. capable of. And that is a problem. That's it a, is. That's it's a, a huge, huge problem. problem. Narrow it down. The power's on, the power's off. If the power's on, the electricity's on, then all of your technical skills, uh, everything that you need for technology, you need. But when the power goes off, can you start a fire? Can you put up a tent? Can you fix a, a, yeah. a basic injury, something yeah. like that? All the, of this stuff? <clears throat> There's a guy I follow on Facebook. His name is Jim Sharp, and I've had him in for uh, the perspective review of Twister. Okay. And he is the director of a company that focuses on emergency services management. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, he's crack. I mean, he's he, he, he knows his skill set completely. Mm-hmm. And I saw him ask a question to anybody that might have been a, a trucker buddy. Mm-hmm. I.e., if you are transporting your goods and your truck breaks down, what do you have in the back of your truck and how long could you last? It, and it's not like last like zombie apocalypse. No, no, no. But like your truck breaks down in the middle of Iowa while yeah. you're driving. Yeah. And there's not going to be a tow truck there for two days. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what in the hell are you going to do? And could you just stay in your truck and manage your way through or not? Yeah. And I thought that that was an incredible question that is not contemplated by, in particular, the same kids that would not know what to do with this tool. Exactly. Because they can't fathom a world that doesn't exist without technology. Right. They're right. so adept at technology that it has made them smug to think that there is a world out there that exists without yeah. it. Yeah. I, and I, I think where you're going is we want an answer to what you guys think we can do to help educate 
children so that they are kids or even teenagers at this point. Jeez. Well, well, these... So that they're more, they're better armed to do something rather than, man, when's the power coming back on? We're facing a looming shortage in skilled specialized labor in plumbers, electricians, carpenters, etc. They're getting old, they're retiring, and the problem that we have is this. These kids look at these careers, and they don't look at them as careers, they look at them as jokes. Like one of the biggest, best examples, there's a commercial on recently about um, plumbers and how it shows plumbers that they show average citizens bending over and you can just see their ass crack. It's absolutely appalling that that career is people automatically make that 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 connection right away there is a real zero spot in people's heads when they think about any kind of career that doesn't exist in like the upper end the upper echelon doctors lawyers architects you know the higher learned professions people don't think about it's not looked at with any kind of honor that you could go in be an electrician or a plumber and they're great livings Talk to a plumber. See how much money they make. They do quite well. But these kids don't look at this. And I think that's the thing is that how we fix this. What my ideas, and like I said, guys, I want to hear your ideas. I want to hear your solutions. This is listener solutions. But my idea is this. We need to, at a very early age in school, instill this kind of love of learning, of doing this kind of technical stuff and non-technical stuff, of learning how to, to just put something together real simple using rudimentary tools and started at an early age. Mike and I are of the age when we remember when Tonka trucks were awesome. I remember when Tonka trucks also had graders and they had earth movers and they had bulldozers. And I they went had to the, the Tonka trucks. factory, dude. Oh, you suck. Yeah. Tonka factory got, oh, a, got a free blue they truck. They don't even have rubber, real, real rubber tires anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But these things were just indestructible. Yeah. But then there was also there were the erector sets and there were things like that. And I know right now I am sounding like Cro-Magnon man. No, no, well, don't. to some people I am, I'm, I'm sounding like that. No, but I don't, th- I don't think you do. I hope not. I really do hope not. But what I'm getting at is those type of learning fun tools of putting things together, of learning that kind of love at an early age are gone among our kids. Yeah. Walk down the toy aisle, it is a desert of any kind of imagination outside of like fighting and gaming. Yeah. There's a there's a, a tiny little piece of to again to go back to for our final little push here inside mm-hmm. this program. Mm-hmm. There is hope. And the hope is in a, a wonderful podcast that is not yet on my network, but I would love for it to be. And it's called Women and Drones. It's hosted by Wendy Erickson. Hmm. And Wendy visits with, in particular, female drone pilots and people that are fostering the drone programs for women. Hmm. And there is hope because that does take the best of the technology spin mm-hmm. and puts it to the, the technology spin into something that is real, that is tangible, yeah. that does graft to, say, a phone or a control stick right. into something that is inside of the future and super prevalent inside of the future. There's not, There will never be a time in our, in our history ever where drones will be a smaller game. No, no. It, it's not going to work that way. You don't have to pay to put a, a person in the air. Drums are just, they're invaluable at this point. Yeah, yeah. And so I, 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 all of that is just such invaluable stuff. And I'll be sure to link up that podcast inside the show notes for this episode as well. Um, in closing, folks, all I want to say is this. You can make excuses. Or you can have results. But you cannot do both. And people, I use this every day. I start to give myself some kind of an excuse. I throw that out at my own face. I'm Wade Olson, the Sage of St. Louis, with Mike Wilkerson, and this has been Wade Sense. <laughs>